At Morgan Stanley, old school hard work meets bold new thinking. At 88 years old, we still see the world with the wonder of new eyes, helping you discover untapped possibilities and relentlessly working with you to make them real. Old school grit, new world ideas. Morgan Stanley. To learn more, visit morganstanley.com slash why us. Investing involves risk. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney, LLC. Market Moving Insight and Analysis. Join Jim Cramer, David Faber, and me, Carl Quintanilla, on the opening bell hour of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Thursday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer. We're glad to have David Faber back after a couple of days. We're live from separate locations. Uh, Bulls do hope to add to Wednesday's uh, gains as companies like Delta and Expedia raise billions in fresh capital. Jobless claims, though, 4.4 million bring the total to 26 million over the past five weeks. Oil bounces and uh, the European PMIs remain historically low, 16 in France, uh, no, 10 in France, 16 uh, in in, in Germany. Uh, Jim, though, your tone this morning is uh, relatively uh, hopeful. Uh, Look, I I am a creature of who reports and what they say. And I I can literally, uh, I find it hard to remember as many companies as saying good things, Uh, even as obviously we're in the midst of a pandemic. And I don't think they're all just cockeyed optimists. I think they all expected business to fall off a cliff, and they haven't. Then again, these are large cap companies. These are not the companies that the government is trying to protect. These are arguably the winners, the companies that are going to get stronger. I listened to Lee, and Lee uh, Cooperman was talking about what it's going to look like on the other side. I look at my desk. I have reports everywhere here. These are all companies that are going to come through with fewer competitors. And that may be bad for the U.S. consumer, but it's good for the stock market. David, would you please offer some contrary view and say that I'm too optimistic, please? Well, here's one, Jim. I mean, uh, you've made this point before on our air that we cover large, public, well-capitalized companies. Right. And the story coming out of jobless claims today is is a small business story. It's, it's more difficult for us to cover. It's a little more granular. Uh, the data is not as fresh or as high frequency, but we can't look past that. Right. I mean, let's look at the railroads. The railroads' principal enemy are the truckers. I think the truckers, the smaller truckers, are going to be, have a huge amount of problems here. The larger ones, no. Union Pacific will be fine. I, I mean, Union Pacific is great versus UPS. Uh, but this is just the battle of titans. And when the smoke clears, they're all going to raise rates. Uh, There's going to be very little competition, and it is going to be great for these companies. Again, it's going to be cataclysmic for people who want to ship, but uh, the the big are just getting bigger, and the small, well, let's just say they're trying to get a handout from Mnuchin, and when they get it, it it keeps them open for a little while. But this is the big, this is the cataclysmic change between companies that have great balance sheets and companies that don't. And I I see many companies that have great balance sheets and their stocks are worth owning, which is why we have a higher uh, P.E. uh, than Lee Cooperman would normally say we should have, because I think that these companies are winners. And maybe they shouldn't be and maybe it's not right, but they're winners. But, Jim, you I'm sure you go through the course of the day and have plenty of people questioning the valuation in the stock market, given their expectations for the economy and where we stand, even if things do get better. 
Um, you only need to listen to the likes of John Gray this morning, for example, from Blackstone, the president of Blackstone, which reported earnings, talking about the fact that he doesn't see a V recovery. Um, I think he, yeah, I think he said it's more like a Nike swoosh. Guys, take a listen and then let's discuss. Okay. I think we're not in the camp of a V recovery. We think it feels maybe a little more like a Nike swoosh. Uh, which somebody gave me that line yesterday, um, it, it feels more gradual in nature. And, and that's because, you know, we don't have sort of a cure-all for, for this virus right now. Um, it's going to take time. We will. The good news is we seem to be over the hump in terms of the peak in most of the U.S. and Europe. And so parts of the economy will start to reopen, but it'll happen gradually. It'll be in certain sectors, certain geographies. You know, I mean, guys, I've listened, we've all have interviewed so many leaders of businesses on the course of the program over the last few weeks. So many talking about a recovery like that, one in which they don't expect to see earnings come anywhere near where they were for last year for at least another two or three years. So, yes, to all the things you're saying, Jim, and then I come back to this idea of what can we really expect in terms of how the market is going to treat valuation? Or are we simply in a new world where we're willing to accept multiples of which we've never seen before? Okay, I think this is great. And I think the metaphor that Jonathan Gray uses is always so smart is Nike. Let's take it as as a double entendre. First, yes, I actually don't mind that shape because it does at least indicate that there's a pulse. But second, let's take Nike. Okay, this is a company that went from being zero to 40 percent direct to consumer. It's not hostage to the mall anymore. It's going higher. It's an international company. It's finding markets like China doing incredibly well. It sells it sells at 37 times earnings. Well, you know what? If it's the only survivor, maybe it should sell at 50 times earnings. Now, there are a lot of things that happen in life that are unfair. It's unfair that Nike could go to 50. It should go to 18 because you know what? There is a sentimentality about how stocks can't do this well. But if Nike wipes out everybody else, then Nike's going to have a V recovery. And the fact is, is Jonathan Gray did not say what I most fear, which is there'll be no recovery. Dr. Fauci gave me a no recovery yesterday in a very nice smile. He and he does that thing. He said, you know, and this is going to be even worse in the fall. And I'm thinking, well, there goes the NFL. But then I start thinking, well, Nike's doing quite well. And I'm watching this thing over the weekend, which is a Nike ad. It's also it's also happened to be about Michael Jordan. And I come back and say, OK, Nike winner, everyone <laughs> else loser, everyone. And that's what's happening. And that's a different world. We haven't seen that. Every small and medium-sized business that competes with Dollar General may not exist six months from now. Well, does that make Dollar General worth more or less? I don't know the answer. Uh, I think it makes it worth more. I mean, I've got... I mean, there's two, two things here, Jim. One is the difference in the way... Uh, people in Asian markets respond. You heard this in the Las Vegas Sands call last night. They're used to dealing with things in ways we're not. Nike sells goods uh, more than they sell services, and that's why these PMIs today are going to be so important because the effect of the pandemic on services, our economy largely, is is going to be reflected in non-manufacturing indices, not about making uh, sneakers and shoes and clothes. Right, but we're not trading hair salons. Thank heavens we're not, because they will trade like oil did on Monday. It, it, this is not a barbershop economy. What this is, is an economy of titans 
and losers. Now, we didn't used to have it like that. I think it's terrible. My father was a small businessman. My father's business would have been out of business probably Feb 22nd. I mean, that's how quickly he would go under. And I look at Nike and I think they just get stronger and stronger and stronger. And maybe it's not fair. But, you know, we, we don't do we really sit there and say, you know what, I'm not going to buy. I'm going to buy Union Pacific. Oh, no, it's not fair to buy Union Pacific. No, it's just that Union Pacific is a survivor. Even though they say business is going to be bad next quarter. The fact is, is Union Pacific right. is a winner because there's only a couple of uh, of rails and they don't need a bailout versus I listen to the airlines and I say, you know, I'd rather be I'd rather be in a coal car going across the country than I would be in some of these airlines. It's you know, kind of open air, you know, a hopper, get some wow. sun. Bring the, bring the airlines, Jim, the air, the airlines are proving successful in raising capital, well, not just from the federal government. That's what I mean, they're successful and, you know, at raising money. How about raising customers? Well, all right, but yeah, true. But I'm not quite sure how they're supposed to do that in the current environment. By making it safe. The fact to is, fly. Jim, a lot of companies, okay, and I assume that they will because they are in business to try to make money. Um, Why? Because they wipe there the are seats a lot down? of companies that have. Yeah, well, they're going to have to do a lot of different things. We've talked a lot about it with the various executives. We'll see whether there's a middle seat for a while, or whether there won't be. It's unclear exactly what the experience of flying is going to look like. But they have been able to raise capital. By the way, many companies who are in a position to have gone out and done what they had to do in terms of trying to raise capital. There will be plenty that are unable to for various reasons. I mean, Expedia this morning, again, at the center of the storm when it comes to travel. We, uh, the Squawk Group talked to uh, Barry Diller last week. Right. They announced that deal. They're going to raise $3.2 billion of new capital. Now, $2 billion of it is debt, uh, new debt financing. But mm-hmm. they do raise $1.2 billion from private equity. Uh, we're talking about Silver Lake and Apollo stepping in there, getting board seats, a significant stake in Expedia. But they're going to be able to survive as a result. I like Liberty that. Media this morning. I'll be talking to Greg Maffei in the next hour. They're doing what they call a reattribution, taking Live Nation and moving it from one entity, the Formula One entity, to the serious entity, all the results of which would seem to be to strengthen the capital position on either side. So there are companies taking actions, Jim, as much as they possibly can to try to strengthen their balance sheets to make it through. The problem is we don't know how long. We just don't know how long it's going to take and where they have to get to. Well, if we get an antiviral, we're not going to get a vaccine. I am like in the vaccine 2022 committee. If we get an antiviral, which makes us feel like this isn't a death sentence or we can go to the hospital, all of these stocks, the valuations you see are going to be justified. And we know we've got just a few more days before Gilead reveals remdesivir. What happens if remdesivir is good? I think what happens is we're going to fly again. Uh, There's a lot of hope on that, and obviously that stat news article, Jim, are leading some people in that direction. We'll get a lot more on this, Jim. David mentions media. We do have a big call on media stocks out of Evercore. Uh, Goldman goes to a street high on Amazon and a lot more. Plus, we'll be watching the PMIs come in uh, all morning long. Back in a minute. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. 
Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Oil prices are building on yesterday's gains, but of course, America's fracking boom is beginning to collapse. Our Brian Sullivan has more on that this morning. Hey, Brian. Hey, Carl. Good morning. Yeah, I mean, listen, the, it's funny. We're talking about the price of oil soaring, but the price of oil is still under 20 bucks a barrel. I mean, these times are pretty insane. You know, and they are hitting the U.S. fracking industry, and really they're going to start to hit the job market as well. On a day with the unemployment number coming in the way it did, I don't think we could look at any other side of the story. So let's talk about the potential slide. Look at that. So according to Rystad Energy, that is the number of new major fracking wells. It's the biggest month-over-month drop in the history of the data set. Those are new wells, and you can see a steep drop. Almost nobody is going to drill a new well now. What about existing production? Okay, well, U.S. production falling just about 900,000 barrels per day from last month. We're still at 12.2, much higher, million barrels a day, much higher than we were a few years ago, but down nearly a million. You've got uh, rig counts off nearly 500 from last year, and you've got refineries running at 67%. That's a double-edged sword, though, guys, because... 67% means that they don't need oil, which means they're going to store it. But still, you're starting to see this, this once sort of great fracking boom, fueled in large part by hard work, sweat, and debt, start to come to a, a very creaking halt. Will it be fast enough to stop oil slide? I don't know, but it is slowing. Is that why it, at the time when the uh, USO and the rookies who trade, uh, traded the USO knocked it down. Is that why Apache is up? Is that why Occidental's up? Is that why Halliburton's up? Is that why almost every oil stock I follow is up? And one of these is not true. Is it the oil futures and the USO, or is it the oil stocks? Jim, oh, man. Uh, listen, it's, uh, this is a harder question than who should the Eagles pick in the third round tonight, right? Maybe a linebacker. I don't know. Here's the problem. I think first round they're going to go defense. I have been trying to figure – I do. Yeah, I think so, too. Okay. Uh, um, I don't know the answer to that. I'm trying to find out because I can tell you this much, Jim. The way the USO has altered its prospectus the last couple of days. Are we doing a math? Uh, we you know, we're just going to buy a one-month contract or whatever. Right. Yeah, now they're just every, every, three times in, what, two days, just going to decide we're going to change the basis of our investment fund. Can you imagine, you know, I, I, you know the QQQ deciding, oh, you know what, we're actually just not going to own Microsoft. We're going to go and, and buy a bunch of shares of whatever. Uh, I'm trying to understand that very point. You did a great There's job so many this morning. With- I thought you were fabulous on the five this morning. I loved it that you talked about it. Thank I thought you. it was just great analysis. Congratulations. I'm not kidding. It was really good. No, I, Jim, it means a lot because nobody knows more about it than you, and I really appreciate that. We're trying. Listen, I'm trying to figure that out because there's something funky going on with these traded settlement futures, yeah. TAS futures. Couldn't go negative on the ETF. The short answer is I don't know. But, man, I tell you, when somebody figures it out, it's going to be – Something because there's something weird going on. Well, Brian, you're going to find it out before anybody else because you're working 24 7 on it. Uh, I just can't thank, thank you, you enough for what you're trying to do. I go back to David now. David, how you doing there? All right. Yeah, I'm doing all right, Jim. Are I'm you? doing all right. I mean, uh, you, you know, know what? I'm, tell you, yeah, David, I'm going to come well, over there and give you a Hawaiian punch. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I take it. Anything for some contact would be nice, <laughs> even if it means a punch in the face for me, Jim. Um, Liberty Media, this morning we mentioned it, announces what they're calling a reattribution. They're moving Live Nation from Formula One to Sirius. Of course, the Atlanta Braves, Live Nation, 
Formula One, all of these companies caught to a certain extent in the difficulties we find ourselves in. Greg Maffei, uh, CEO of Liberty Media, is going to join me later to discuss all of that. we got a lot more Squawk in the Street straight ahead. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Demand for energy is projected to continue rising in the future. To help keep up, Chevron is increasing their U.S. oil and gas production, and they're innovating to help do it responsibly across their operations, including their Gulf of Mexico facilities, which are some of the world's lowest carbon intensity operations, helping supply energy that's affordable, reliable, and ever cleaner. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash meeting demand. Futures implying some slim gains at the open, uh, adding to yesterday's gains as well. As the picture from corporate America continues to fill in, we'll get to Target and Unilever and Domino's and Discover and a lot more when Squawk on the Street continues in a moment. Welcome back to Squawk on the Street. Time to get in a mad dash. Jim's going to cover Las Vegas Sands, the company, of course, reporting earnings. I believe it was after the bell, Jim. The China part, of course, which is Macau, so important. A net loss of $166 million for the first quarter. That compared with a $557 million gain, or net income, right. as we used to call it, uh, a year ago. But they're looking to open there. They are opening, and the question is, will they come? There was a really kind of an amazing thing that happened, and uh, it's a short seller's nightmare. The other day, Las Vegas Sands suspended its dividend, so therefore you figured it had to be the worst. Last night, they came out and said the pent-up demand for gambling is incredible, and so therefore you have to buy. They gave a schedule of debt, David, and there's no big maturities for a couple of years, so they certainly have the opportunity to make it happen. And if you really believe in this one, I suggest you think about when Mike Maddox sent me his health care plan of how to open. Literally, they're describing about how the air conditioners have to be. So the gambling companies have really thought a lot about how to entice people in a safe way. And there's also tremendous optimism in China, David. This made me want to go by Alibaba, frankly. I mean, the Chinese, uh, they are celebrating as if, you know what, we've conquered a lot. And yes, I know Eunice Yun showed a gym that was closed yesterday. The governor of Georgia should take a look about what happened to the gyms there. But there is a notion that while they're not COVID free, that they somehow triumphed over COVID. And we, our notion, I think, sorry to be uh, a bearer of what I see as gloom, is, is that we've been beaten by COVID. And I think it's a shame that our narrative is so different from theirs. Yeah, well, there's a larger story there, which is the emergence of China in a way, what the relationship between our countries are going to, is going to be like following this, of course. Yes. Given that their economy is certainly rebounding far quickly, more quickly than ours is planned to. But back to Las Vegas Sands. I mean, Macau is closed for a couple of weeks in February, but it's not like the traffic came back in any no, meaningful way in not March, Jim. No, not at all. But this notion of pent up gambling is really kind of interesting because it presumes that there's just this element of, you know what, people have not been able to have any vice, but they can't stay away from vice for too long. 
uh, death taxes vice. And I read it and I said, you know, at least they're optimistic. Uh, so uh, if you want to have a, a kind of a belief that maybe things can turn around, read the Las Vegas Sands note last night and you'll have tremendous faith in the ability of people to want to lose money at a table. OK, we'll do that. Um, are we headed to a break now, guys, or are we, uh, we going to take it to the, uh, You've been away for a couple of days. Oh, what okay. do you think? Break? No break? It's your call. No break. No break, Jim. We're going right. to just go straight through. All yeah. right. Because then we Carl's have to, involved if, here if as well. that's the case, David, we got to talk about Lamb Research. There's a company okay. that people are negative on because they can't meet the demand. Now, this is the kind of negativity I'm getting used to. Netflix. Well, you know what? They had to suppress demand. You know what? When you have too much demand, see, that's called good. I'm getting Typically, angry. Typically, it is that way. Until here. What are you getting angry about? That people are so negative. David, they ought to just Jim, give we, someone we just, a hug. Oops, we, got, we, got, we got 26 million people filing for claims. I mean, we got an employment but rate implied it, at 17. In the 1930s, uh, we got they companies would have like no Target saying that in the 1930s, uh, we got companies like Target saying their margins are being dinged by the shifts, which are benefiting certain elements of the operation, like, like digital. The way was, but that comes with a cost. Target's crushing everybody else, and they're doing that at low prices. No, I'm not saying it's happy days are here again. I'm just saying that it, that the companies well, themselves are doing well. The unemployment rate is horrendous, and it is 1930s like. And believe me, if they could burn oil like they burned. Uh, uh, what like they burned grain under the Agricultural Act in 1933, they would do it. I'm just saying that we do have good unemployment benefits, that there are things that are happening that could tide us over. But my main level of optimism has to do with science. I simply do not believe that all these scientists together are going to fail, not in a vaccine, but in something that make it so that when you get this disease, and notice I said when, not if, because it's way too contagious, it will not be ending on a ventilator unless, unfortunately, you're very, very old. And that makes me more no, positive. I, and, it sh- and it should. And it may be some time. And I'm not sure it's going to be remdesivir, which, at least as far as I'm aware at this point, Jim, is still going to be infused in the hospital for people who already are sick. That's why we you're to- talking about right. is an anti an antiviral regime that you would take much earlier upon getting a test because you have some early symptoms, and then that would be the end of it. Very similar to when you feel like you have the the flu and draw your doctor and get Tamiflu. But what do you think of the Fuji drug? There's good things going on there. um, Yeah, and listen, you know, it's so depressing just to follow the press conferences. And you should. And I, I'm I'm in particular touch with with one company who I brought on a couple of times, Ridgeback Biotherapeutics, because they are in, um, testing with healthy people so far for their antiviral the in word? the UK. A couple, couple of more weeks on dosing. It's all going very well, apparently, from a safety perspective. And then they will move on to actual trials and people who have COVID. And the, certainly the hope is, Jim, that they could that it will be effective. Only um, a vaccine could make it we so don't that we know. have. Right, that we could have a world that's somewhat like what we used to. I think Lee Cooper's right, there'd be big changes. But if we get a vaccine, David, we will have some degree of normalcy that could, that could prevent uh, social unrest, which could happen eventually if this keeps up. All right, so you yeah, know, you're you saying know, everybody's too negative, and then you're talking about social unrest? Well, no, because I think the scientists are going to solve it, that's all. No, the jobless claims are horrible, like Carl said. But we don't talk enough about the scientists who are hard at work who may have breakthroughs. 
I wish Jim, there were last science week you were worried about going to Walgreens, and I'm wondering, you, it sounds like you know something or you're betting on something. Maybe it's Gilead at the end of the month, but your tone has really changed from just your personal worry about leaving the house, uh, seeing your wife. That that's, was just a few days ago. That's correct, Carl. That is correct. I do feel better about what Gilead's doing. And it's not just drive-by night. The trial is going to be revealed very soon. I believe you. We're we're, we're anxious to get uh, that next blog post. Guys, let's get to the opening bell here uh, and take a look at the big board. It's uh, Mark Castle Nuovo, NYSE facility supervisor at the uh, NASDAQ. Remotely, Chief People Officer Brian Smith celebrating. Guys, take your daughters and sons to work day, work day, which is today. Uh, I, I don't know about you guys. My kids are at work with me. Well, <laughs> my kids are teaching English yeah. in Spain. A great, great place to be right now, Spain. She's been out of her apartment. She got out the other day. She got to go to a store. Six weeks. Not bad. What a city to live in, right? Not bad. Of all the cities to pick Not bad. and work in. Anyway. Yeah. I'm of mixed emotions, uh, yeah. Carl. I've Mike, got, I'm kind of, some days I get up and I say, well, the jobless claims are awful. And other days I get up, I say, oh, I just heard another hospital chain say good things about remdesivir and this, the Fuji drug that's a pill. So, uh, yes, every day is uh, an up and down day that, where it's very difficult to try to be even keeled. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned Target. Well, meanwhile, though, Jim, the S&P is only Cornell. down third. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Carl. Sorry. Uh, sorry, sorry, David, the, the delay is uh, troublesome at times. But Cornell did talk to Becky about uh, the way comps have uh, surged but normalized uh, since the beginning of the quarter. Uh, digital up 275 uh, percent. And then the degree to which margins are being affected by apparel markdowns, limits on foot traffic uh, and the less profitable digital business. Take a listen. As we went into the month of April, and millions of Americans are sheltering at home, and they've heard from public health officials that it's best to try to minimize your time in physical store locations. We saw a huge spike in digital comps. For the quarter, we're saying we're up over 100%, but in April alone, our digital growth is over 275%. And we've just seen Cyber Monday occur almost every day, except the volume is twice the size that we've normally seen on even a Cyber Monday peak. If you're, uh, Jim, Brian, some say it Brian, shows uh, just, Brian didn't do it right. just how unprofitable digital grocery can be. Yeah, Brian, I, you know, Brian surprised me. Uh, I would have said if I were Brian, you know what, we're crushing the competition, but that's not Brian's style. Uh, we are uh, the month of April showed that we are dominant. And when the smoke clears, people have changed permanently the way they shop, which is they love to come to our store. They like to. Uh, this is something that Chipotle told me, too. They like to call ahead. They like to have the stuff put in their car. They like to go home. So I think Brian should have totally told the narrative differently. And instead of focused on margins and apparel, which were disappointing, he should have talked about the new way to shop and how this is the way that people love. But Brian was too negative, along with a lot of other people. He didn't understand the virtue of his own model, I think, which is that he is going to be a winner when the smoke clears, along with Costco, along with Walmart, I believe maybe maybe Lowe's, uh, maybe Home Depot. And then there's a Goldman Sachs piece today about, and I I thought it was kind of amusing, that the greatness of Amazon not being recognized by the stock price. (laughs) One of the greatest performers of all time. So, uh, uh, Brian, listen (laughs) to me. 
stop buying two. I mean, can you imagine you have to tell these CEOs, don't you realize you won? I mean, I mean, maybe he's from Whitestone. He's got that Queens negative attitude where he's down. You know, you see these Queens guys, they come on, they're moody. They're still mad about Amazon. Amazon. Not- oh, hi, David. Sorry, I forgot. Yeah, yeah, I am still moody. And you're right. You know, we grew up in Queens in the 70s. It definitely shapes uh, your worldview. What can I tell you? Um, it's just uh, you can't get rid of it. But to your point on Amazon, by the way, I mean, as you said, Goldman did upgrade it. What do they expect? Uh, uh, get this. They think that revenue and profitability is going to be above consensus. That's <laughs> that's really a shock for a company whose really? stock price is up 30 percent this year. And the market cap is now poised to eclipse that of Apple's. They're very close in terms of market cap at one point two trillion and one point two one trillion dollars. I continue to wonder, though, Jim, whether they're going to see. Yeah, I had a pyramid of Amazon boxes when I got home last night. And of course, you have it's kind of like the pyramids in Egypt. You have to leave them out because of covid. And I came (laughs) in this morning. I left them out for 24 hours. I opened it up and it seems like I like edge edge shaving cream that I used to buy at Walgreens. Carl's absolutely right. I wouldn't go to Walgreens. I'd rather, again, take that that flat top train uh, across country than go into a plane. And, and I'd rather you know, go to an edge factory than I would go to Walgreens. But the th- things are changing. How people get things are changing. And they're not going to go back. They're not which is why no. small and medium-sized David. business, and I'm not talking about Ruth Chris, David, needed this money right. so badly. <laughs> no, but, you know, to your point on small and medium-sized businesses who do represent a significant amount of at least the advertising on Amazon. Right. Remember, advertising has become a very profitable, important part of their business, not large revenue-wise, but large right. margin-wise to a certain extent. And for Google and for Facebook, small and medium-sized businesses are not unimportant, Jim. And then one why, does why wonder whether their advertising declines are going to be significant. Why is Facebook stock um, Is that the India investment? Is that what that is? I don't know. I, don't I mean, know. isn't it a quantity yeah, that we've had what, numbers cut Facebook and the stock is now up 12 points? What is that about? Optimism? India? Interesting. Um, by the way, Heath Terry, who's who made this Goldman call on Amazon, also said that Netflix subs would come in 10 plus. Of course, Netflix even blew away that number. But he had a good call on Netflix and now he does see twenty nine hundred Amazon. By the way, you guys see the story about Bezos returning to day to day management for the first time in years. Yeah. I thought that was interesting yeah. since a lot of us thought at one point he was day to day management. Uh, but there is these companies. Fang is really. Fang's on fire. Everyone's sick of Fang, but man, it just, except for the, uh, the Fang, uh, the Apple numbers are cut every day. Um, Apple now, the, the expectations are very, very low. Uh, and uh, that's the one I think is going to be most important because their numbers cut pretty much every morning you come in, numbers are cut for Apple. Right. But if you've owned any of these stocks, you really have not been hurt by this incredible. Well, I should say it's not as incredible a downdraft anymore, is it? With the S&P only down twelve and a half percent for the year. They don't have but any still, exposure Apple to China only down. and they don't have that much right. exposure to, to uh, the service economy other than uh, be a UPS. I mean, you know, look, people are studying at Wait. home. And, and that means they are, they're using Google to cheat in their exams and they're using Zoom and they don't care if it's encrypted or not. I'm on Zoom way too much. I don't know about you guys. It, 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 it uh, gets yeah, a little million. after a while. I mean, we thought, know, sort of, yeah. What are you on WebEx, David, because you don't <laughs> trust the Chinese? 
That's true. I don't. Uh, and I do WebEx when it's important, when it's business related. Yes. But otherwise, we're zooming. We're doing the cocktails and uh, whatever else. You know, it's it, 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 it's all right. I mean, I wouldn't mind being actually able to clink glasses with somebody in person. But it's, it's an introvert's paradise, David. Yeah. Yeah, you That's know what I sure. found out? I'm not as much when, of an introvert as I thought. Wow. I know. Remember just a few weeks ago before COVID, you said that you didn't like people? Wow. Have you turned around? Yeah. <laughs> you, you called the bottom in that people not like, liking thing. It's it like Blank Fine's tweet there. yesterday when he said, he, Lloyd said he wished someone would have told him uh, back, in, back before this happened how happy he actually was at the time. Uh, it sort of reminds <laughs> me true. of contactless uh, pizza delivery, Jim, as Domino's now pulls their guide. Uh, comps for the quarter up 7-1 versus 1-6 in Q1. Uh, but even they, even with that kind of bounce... I uh, can't really tell you what the rest of the year is going to look like. Yeah, I, I didn't. You know, the U.S. wasn't perfect. I mean, we're going to have dominoes tonight. Uh, dominoes is a, it is another way. We remember it's the millennial way to the stock was up 20 yesterday. So let's not do, do too much. But millennial way, you don't even have to you can put the tip on the actual. Uh, you don't even have to. Uh, t- there's no touch. Dominoes is no touch. Now, David, I know you would say dominoes is no taste. And that would be wrong. That was the old days when it failed in its miserable one-on-one, head-to-head, apples-to-apples against cardboard. But that is no longer the case, even though cardboard is tasting better, according to Westrock. Uh, yeah, well, I, I fully expect that that is the case. But as you know, I'm always going to be supportive of local pizza places, never more than now, of course, certainly in New York, where they're going to be needed and where they're having such a difficult time. Um, well, They're so many t- really? businesses are having such a difficult time. But can't time. they do it outside? Don't you do takeout outside and DoorDash? You can. You can. Uber, whatever. You no. can. You know, pizza, certainly takeout is a very important part of it. But right. most restaurants, as you know, can't rely on that alone. It's just no. not nearly enough to, Dar- to make it That's why Darden, when it got that money, and, you know, that's the thing. Olive Garden got a fortune. And the stock's up 10 if you bought it on the deal. And Olive Garden is that that's right. going to be the not that we're all going to go to Olive Garden, but it does represent a great bargain. I'll go with you. Although, David. Jim, yeah. uh, um, BMO today, BMO upgrades Chipotle, Darden, Brinker, uh, although they continue to point out uh, that fast food they think is going to offer the greatest upside as these reopenings sort of roll out over the, around the country. McDonald's was a big issue. It was up eight points. The, uh, the yeah. Chipotle call yeah. was just miraculous. It, it made Chipotle is it's set up for this. Remember, Chipotle had food airborne issues and they have all the things down for a pan. They're like they were like pandemic central and, and they are doing so well. It, it, my hat's off to them. And there's. You know, they, they, too, have a demand problem. And there are only a few companies in the world that have demand problems. Netflix has it. Chipotle has it. Amazon has it. Target, before Brian talked it down today, Target had it. And then I started thinking maybe Target, maybe I'm too bullish on Target. I'll have to check in with the CEO. Are you, you know, worried Brian about Nichols uh, on Tyson and Hormel? Yeah, because my chapel trust owns Tyson. They are, they are probably, they, oh, my, how can that stock be up? What a wacko market. Their execution problems have been have been legion and terrible. Harmel, when they came on, told me not to worry about the uh, uh, that not to worry about the food chain. And I'm, I'm going to bet with them. They have a tremendous record of uh, of raising dividends, too, by the way. Uh, and you may not may not think much of of spam, but there are 35 million people headed to the unemployment rolls. Spam is always a solution. 
Jim, would it surprise you that uh, Chipotle had told its landlords that it wasn't going to pay them rent? Uh, would make it up on the back end, but had chosen not to? I got news for you, David. I me. think you're going to be real estate investment trusts that pay Chipotle to be in their in their malls, their strip malls. Right now, the only things using the only space that they're negotiating with, I believe, a lot of them is the right to be able to stick a Q-tip up your nose. Uh, because they need those outdoor spaces. And I know it's not really a Q-tip. It's actually synthetic, a swab made by Puritan. But uh, the, if you listen to the call, you'll hear that the real estate investment trust did not like the Chipotle's. But now they're just they're just grateful, grateful to have Chipotle versus EPR, which has uh, uh, EPR's REIT that has uh, cinemas, which are not paying their bills. 45% not paying their bills. Brandywine, by the way, some wa- a very small REIT was the only one that I feel people are really paying their bills. You got to follow the, 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 uh, the uh, REITs because a lot of them, the, uh, la- the, the tenants are just stiffing them. Something yeah, to well, watch. that was my point. I mean, I've, I've seen a letter from even Chipotle to its, to its landlord saying, you know, we're not going to pay now. We'll pay. We'll make it up on the back end. But for now, well, we're not Chipotle's going got a lot to. Of so, cash, I mean, if, they have leverage, David. Yeah. You know who doesn't have leverage? They do. Victoria's Secret. Who? Victoria's Secret. No. Not a lot of leverage there. They don't. You want they to talk don't. about that? That's it kind is, of your world. It, it, it is important to point out, sure, that the case that, uh, that Sycamore came with to try to break that deal uh, yesterday in Delaware uh, is, is fairly weak, at least some would say. Now, of course, I, I don't yeah. even know if it's been assigned yet to a judge there uh, in Delaware, but, you know, they're saying they're relying on this covenant that says you have to follow your past practices and you didn't do that. Well, yeah, of course they didn't do it. First of all, in a lot of states, they can open. Secondly, they're trying to conserve as much cash as they possibly can. Are they arguing they should have kept all their stores open where they could and have, have kept all their employees employed and blown through all their, their cash? So it's going to be interesting to see how that actually ends up in terms of when we get a ruling on that, Jim, because the legal experts I've spoken to who look through the case certainly don't think it's particularly strong. We will see. And they posit this, that if, in fact, they do get out, well, then it means that a lot of companies conceivably will be able to get out because it, it's about past practices. Well, you've got to change your past practices when you're dealing with something we've never seen before. David, if they lose, they can close it tomorrow. They may lose and then close it. Not unlike a credit home lending in that 2009 period, the ninth largest uh, of, of mortgager in the country that was a subprime mortgage. And it was won by a hedge fund right. uh, they, because they lost a big That's lawsuit right. and they closed it the day that they lost right. it. Yep, they closed it and then they were done. Then they could declare bankruptcy. Done. That's right. Yeah. So I don't know yeah. who wants Victoria. You know, you can't sell a lot of bras in a, in a mall that's closed. Just saying. David. Just saying. They sell bras, Carl. That's uh, what they do. They yeah, I'm aware. Bra, I mean, bra not, or not, that not that I'm. It's the last okay, place I'm going. That's the business. Yeah. Uh, guys, Dow's up 180. NASDAQ almost 1%. Uh, getting some crazy headlines out of uh, BOJ. Let's get to Rick Santelli this morning. Hey, Rick. Hi, Carl. You know, if you look at a week to date of 10-year note yields, you can see that we've moved up just a little bit. We were defined by 54 basis points, which on an intraday was the low, but it was also uh, the all-time low yield close about a month ago. And if you look at the way we're hovering now, we've given up a couple of base points. Hey, we have breaking news. Our April preliminary reads on the market indices, and of course the manufacturing PMI at 36.9, that's an all-time low. It follows 48.5, which is an all-time low, but 
Do keep in mind, these are all-time lows to a series that started in April of 2017, so not a huge amount of history. If we look at the service PMI, it's 27, of course, an all-time low. And if we look at the composite, putting the two together, it's 27.4, an all-time low. Now, uh, we can debate as to how much information you're garnering from basically a coronavirus-closed economy in these weak numbers, but nonetheless, we keep track. Maybe it'll give us clues as to how and when we start to recover and bounce off of some of these levels. Let's get back to the market. So here we are at 60 basis points on a 10-year note that settled at 62, so we're down a couple basis points. We're actually getting a little bit of flattening, so let's go to a couple-of-day chart of 10s minus 2s. You know, as we hover right here, it looks to me like we're about uh, 39, just under 40 if you take 10s minus 2s. So you remember, we're in the low 30s. We shot up into the 50s. Here we now hover right below 40. This thing is seeking middle ground here as the long end just finds it a hard to grab on and see higher yields, although maybe what's going on in Europe eventually will give us higher yields. So let's turn to Europe. Uh, let's look at a 30-year Italian. It was toying with 3%, as you see on this chart, that starts in June of 2019. But, of course, we know S&P Global is going to take their investment-grade rating away, most likely tomorrow, and the ECB has figured on that. So they made very special rules uh, that will still allow them to lend full collateral on their paper, even though it's slipping into junk. And finally, how did that affect the currency? Let's look quickly from a... February 2020 on the euro versus dollar. So you can see that we've been sliding back down after a lot of volatility. But if you really pull back to a three-year chart, you can see exactly how weak the euro currency is. Carl, Jim, David, back to you. All right, Rick, thank you very much. Jim, I wonder if um, you think the market is betting that uh, those PMIs and claims uh, have bottomed, for now at least. Yeah, I think so. I think that when you hear states talking about open up and you see that the curve has been bent in a lot of places, I think that there's a sense of uh, not that the worst is over because Dr. Fauci told us it wasn't, but that we have reached some level of normalcy that is uh, not great, but a lot different from where we thought one month ago. Remember, one month ago was 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 when the hedge funds uh, gave us a kind of a we had a couple of hedge funds came on and, and, and gave us a very, very negative view. And we're a month away from that. And I think we're starting to realize, you know what, the world is a not great place, but it is a world. And that's what I think is being reflected. Uh, with that, uh, 23.6 on the Dow. Let's get to Bob Bassani this morning. Morning, Bob. Modest gains, but we're sort of stuck in a trading range one month after the new lows that we had. Just take a look at the sectors here. It's nice to see banks bouncing a little bit, energy bouncing. Been good performer all week, energy, despite what's going on with those crazy markets that we've been seeing. Uh, industrials, materials, uh, staples are lagging a, a little bit here. It's nice to, to see some of the other stuff moving up. But uh, today's stocks like Walmart and Clorox, Costco, Tyson, uh, those guys are just sort of hanging back a little bit. Overall, I just want to hi highlight today, one month from the lows. March 23rd was our bottom there. That was, what, 22.37, the close uh, on the S&P 500. It's been quite a journey since then, since March 23rd. Uh, effectively, we're up 25% since that bottom on March 23rd. Uh, and since April 9th, we've essentially been rage mount. Rage mount is a pretty wide range, 150 points on the S&P, 27.30 to 28.80. But that's essentially range bound. That's the new reality here. Uh, volume has been notably lower. We had the lowest volume day yesterday at the NYSE in seven weeks. So 
Uh, volume trading definitely lower. Volatility, intraday volatility is definitely lower, but the VIX is still stuck in the low 40s. So we're not going much lower than that. The market still seems to see a lot of potential problems out there around the reopening here. Uh, stocks by market cap. This is very important to point out. This has been a big cap rally. I wish we had the S&P 10 because you could see what's really going on here. But the S&P 100 is only down 15% since the February 19th high. The 500s down 17. The mid caps down 28 and the small cap's down 32%. Right down the curve there, you can see what's going on. This is what I tell you every day. Yesterday, we had nine out of the 10 biggest stocks up 2 to 7%. When that happens, the whole S&P is going to rise 2%. It doesn't matter what everybody else uh, is doing. So bear in mind, this has been very much a big cap, guide, uh, big cap rally. Every day, we tend to look at the company's withdrawing guidance. This is a sobering reminder, despite all the hoopla and hope that's out there, of the companies that are pulling their guidance. Pulte, Unilever, Volvo, Granger, CSX. This is all in the last 24 hours. The list gets longer. Union Pacific pulled its guidance, too. O'Reilly Automotive, Hershey's, Boston Beer Company, Netgear, Unilever over in the Netherlands also pulled their guidance. We've also had furloughs as well in the last 24 hours, Expedia's furloughing people, um, one of the big REITs that's out there, uh, Summit Hotels also uh, furloughing people. So uh, just that's a very easy way to remind yourself what's going on. Just want to know how important that target comment was, by the way, that you heard earlier here. First quarter up 100 percent on digital, April up 275. But they've had that surge in retail comps and the trends are now softening. And I think we're going to hear this from other companies. We've already hinted at it from Coca-Cola, Smuckers, Campbell Soup, Costco. They've said similar things as well. Guys, back to you. All right. That's a very long list of uh, pulled guidance, Bob. Thanks very much, Bob Pisani. Still to come this morning, the CEO of Union Pacific, speaking of UNP, on earnings and the impact of uh, COVID-19 on the railroad giant. Don't go anywhere. Don't miss Greg Maffei in the next hour of Squawk on the Street. Liberty Media's CEO will be joining us to discuss what they're calling a reattribution, the movement of their stake in Live Nation from Formula One too serious, but we're going to talk about a lot more than that, including the future of baseball, given they own the Atlanta Braves, racing with Formula One, and whether we'll see a concert again in 2020. Let's get to Jim and stop trading. David Ricks was on this morning. He's one of my favorite CEOs, Eli Lilly. Uh, he, he talked about some franchises that are really on fire. The Trulicity Diabetes franchise is incredible. This stock had been downgraded uh, earlier this week because they felt that the valuation had gotten too high. Take a look at what winners winning means. Eli Lilly has been coming through this period as maybe the best of the pharmas other than J&J. And you just got to just applaud these guys. They are inventing things. They are coming up with things. And they are the reason, again, he's got a drug that's an RA drug that he's trying to use for COVID-19. Someone's going to win. Someone's going to beat this thing. Not in a vaccine form, but making it so that it could be more Tamiflu-like and less scary. Eli Lilly, potential winner. Wow. Fair to say, Jim, your optimism on therapeutics is... I'm sorry. Yes, David. I was saying, yeah, I was saying, you know, we've never had a vaccine for HIV. Obviously, no. it killed. No, we, we yeah. people, look, we never really came up with is, anything. Yes. I mean, but the, there the, are antivirals that the work. Vaccines, that work. 
The Completely. vaccines are far away, and Moderna may be in the lead. I'm just saying that we are, one of these things is going to stick as an antiviral to get people out of the hospital faster. That's all I'm saying, but that would be a major change in psychology in this country if you did not think a death sentence meant going to the hospital. It just would be different. The fear level would go down. Putting it out uh, it's going to be determined how, the impact on consumer behavior, Jim. And you got Domino's tonight, right? The contactless uh, David uh, banana peppers, right? Okay, hold the cheese. They have a no cheese button, which is also great for India. Tomato pie, and you'll come over to my house one day when we're ever allowed to see each other again, and you'll have it, and it'll be one and done. You'll never come again, but it's really good. I'm coming to your house in Italy. How about that? Ah, oh, David. My olive, my olive oil business is Jenko, and we are having real good numbers. <laughs> you got, Finally, Jim. Anybody going to um, pick the olives? Uh, yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. I'm here. <laughs> Jim, yesterday, uh, Data Trek said, if you want some signs that there's long-term confidence, let's get the number of 1% moves under 30 for the quarter, which is what we had in Q1. And I wonder if you think today is the beginning of that. You know, I woke up today and I said, holy cow, there must be something wrong. The market doesn't look like it's moving. That's what we want more than anything else in the world. We want to get away from a 2008 scenario where every day we can come in, it's down four or five. This would be ver- this is a very important day for me because it just feels like a kind of day that we used to have. Wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't it be something if anything was the way uh, it, it used to be? Anything. Anything. We'll take we'll take it as it comes, Jim. Uh, signs are small for now, but we'll hope. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts.